once again, I'd like to say welcome to our one subscriber that we have, Julie Gibson. A big shout out to you, and thanks for uh, thanks for listening. Welcome to We Want to Talk About It Now. Today, I have a couple uh, a couple special guests. I take that back. Today, I have a couple guests. Um, okay. We have we have Sheila and we have Sam. Sheila, I have known for the better part of. Oh, it's got to be like 14 years now. Uh, we're best friends from high school. Um, I would say more, but if anyone recalls, I asked that people send me bios. And oh. last time I checked, no one sent bios, which is fine. So Sheila hasn't accomplished anything and never will. That's the bio that I have for Sheila. Similar bio uh, for this other guy I got here. Sam and I, Sam and I met um, roughly six years ago. He was a LDS mission companion of a good friend that we uh, share in common, and we're from the same area as well, so he got the Julie Gibson joke. Sheila did not. Um, once again, with this bio, uh, Sam has not accomplished nothing, anything, and he will not accomplish anything, so just saying. But one thing that we all have accomplished, we've watched season one of Game of Thrones, and we've read the book, A Game of Thrones, very important differentiation there I'll say. a game of thrones which is the series from a song of ice and fire by george rr R. martin um this book that we're going to be talking about today and by book i mean book and the season one do you guys feel like those two the book book one and season one asking you sam line up pretty well with one another <clears throat> Uh, yeah, I feel like the book and the show, as far as the first season goes, they followed each other pretty well. I mean, they stuck to the source material very well. Um, the only thing that they kind of left out a little bit would have been the whole John Aaron murder mystery. Um, but other than that, it was awesome. I mean, they, they stuck to the murder mystery all right. I mean, as far as they could for show, just because obviously time constraints would have gotten in the way of that a little bit. But yeah, it was... They followed it great. Yeah. Um, something I uh, have to say about uh, the John Aaron thing. I know that we're not like getting into it, and I want to ask uh, Sheila her opinion on that as well. Because um, I like I agree they followed it pretty well, but there are like also like these. It's very well done, but at the same time, I'm like there are some huge what moments. <laughs> that was like wait. Uh, Time out, time out, time out. Renly's not uh, a homosexual. Not that there's anything wrong with that, to steal from the line from Seinfeld. Um, but I just found, I found that one thing, and there are other things as well, to be like one of those like interesting additions that the show made. Um, Sheila, how did you feel about the, the book as in comparison? And I don't want to be that person who's like, the book is way better than the TV show or the movie. In all honesty... The book gives you way more cool information, but the TV show is ten hours long. <laughs> took me about took me about twenty hours to read the book, ten hours to watch the show, and I got to see it all. But I don't, I don't know how you felt about that show. No, I agree. I mean, I, I was really impressed by how much the show seemed to follow the book, like down to exact phrases that were used in the show. But I agree. There's a few key. Um, plot lines or the things that I feel like make a big difference. One being Danny's relationship with Drogo and like the evolution of their relationship was it, uh, it was less um, uh, sketchy maybe. I don't I don't know how to describe that than it was less rapey. Yeah, that's the word. I think is the, I think is what you're looking. Yeah, for. a little less rapey. Uh, <laughs> um, well, no, like 
I hate using that word, but like seriously, uh, I just watched episode one and episode two from the season. One thing that I think they do get right, the second time that they have sexual relations with each other is super rapey in the book as well as in the TV show. But the first time, for some reason, 13-year-old Danny is super into it, which I thought was... First of all, <laughs> George R. R. Martin, you wrote a lot of cool stuff. You wrote a lot of interesting things that made me like think and whatnot. But maybe not write a whole lot about the sexual encounters of 13-year-old girls the next time, buddy. I know you're about to die and probably won't even finish the series, but I just want to point <laughs> out, uh, maybe, maybe be a little less weird when it comes to that uh, sort of stuff. Sorry no, to interrupt you, I mean, Sheila. That was, that was probably some mansplaining going on. <laughs> this is, uh, so I apologize I mean, is it just me, though? Or I feel like when you read Game of Thrones, you just have to kind of ignore the fact that Danny is, like, 13 and the ages of pretty much everyone. Because I find it a, a bit <laughs> unbelievable. Speaking of age, um, John Aaron, 48 years older uh, than uh, Liza. <clears throat> Just throwing that out because it seems like everyone's super young and dies super young as well, except for uh, Walder Frey. Um so that was just weird to me as well. I had to look that up when I was watching the show. I'm like, oh yeah, John Aaron, that's cool, you know. Ned and Robert Baratheon's dad, ultimately, like their adoptive father. Um, but then I was like, wait a second, if Kat got married to Ned, Eddard Stark, who just to point out, Kat is older than Liza, by the way. So if John was gonna marry someone, it just would have made more sense that Kat was married to John. I don't know. I, I also understand that George R. R. Martin, like I feel like a lot of authors when they're writing series have this issue. They're just like, I'm just writing right now. I'm just trying to make this all make sense. And like as as they go on, like less things make sense. But just something that I had an issue with. Forty eight years older, John should have married Kat, and it should have been Liza who was getting married to Ned, in my opinion. Yeah. And just to, like, I guess build on the Danny situation a little bit more, she just seemed like she was a little bit more empowered and had more, like, it. W I, I don't know. She has more control than she seems to have in the show, in the book. Like, she embraces that situation a little bit more. I mean, it's been a little bit since I read the book, but I just remember being so surprised by how different that scene is. That is so terrifying in the show, but she kind of really owns it in the book. Oh, you mean... You, Their wedding night. When you're night. saying that, do you mean... Oh, like when he's like, no. Yeah. Do you speak the, do you speak the tongue? Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Well, it was interesting, too, because in the, in the book, uh, well, a big Dothraki tradition is that they do everything of importance under the stars... And, like, in front of everyone else, you know, like, sex and all that is just something that's super, like, I don't even know how to say it. Like, just accepted in the Dothraki culture. And it's just interesting to me that, like, in like in the show, they kind of, like, went off and did their own thing. But, like, in the book, they were in front of everyone. They were, like, consummating the marriage just in front of all of the Dothraki people. And if, I mean, it's been a while since I've read the book, too, but it was just funny, like... Like, because I, I remember her being like, "Oh, I have to do this in front of everybody," you know, like that's kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, having, I think I'm the one who finished the book first book last of the three of us. Um, 
Danny is a much like for a thirteen-year-old. What fortitude um, Daenerys Targaryen had um, for that, and and what I would like to do too is like the point of this to me is to convince other people who one who haven't listened to this uh, or wa- watched or read Game of Thrones to go and do it. Um, and then second, it's for those who have seen it to like get more out of it than they have in the past. Um, Daenerys Targaryen of the House Targaryen, the dr- the dragon family, um, and then you got um, basically the Starks, the Baratheons, and the Lannisters are sort of the main ones. And then you have the House of Flowers, Tyrells, the Tyrells, and then you have Sam. I feel like I'm missing. Oh, the sand, the sand people. Oh yeah, so we've <laughs> the got sand people from the Star Dornish. Wars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, oh, from Dorne, correct? Yeah, definitely. Those are so like, the Martells. Would you say? Yeah. Would you say those are like the main families? Like you all, you also have like the Vale, which has like yeah. John Aaron so Aaron's, and yeah. his family. But those the, are the main the players. The six yeah. main families. Yeah. Of this, okay. Oh yeah. Um, and the reason that I defer to Sam on this is I feel like he's probably spent more time watching YouTube videos and reading the books and watching the show than Sheila and I. I don't want to uh, talk any uh, shiz on Sheila or anything, but just from knowing both of them, that would be uh, my opinion on that. Um, so we have the... I, I want to say the Lannisters are the Lions... The Starks of the Wolves, or the Dire Wolves, which we'll discuss about season one. Um, House Martell are the Flowers. Yes. Is that like how they describe it? Yeah. Like, And then the Martells are Sand? or are they... So the, the Martells is the, the sun with the spear. The sun with the spear. Are talking yeah. about the Tyrell, the sun spears. Uh With the Flowers, yeah. Um, so just to kind of get a sense of like everything. Oh, and the Greyjoys. Yeah. Which, so the Kraken. I feel like in season one isn't a huge thing. Yeah, I mean, it, season two is when it happens when the betrayals happen. Yeah, so I, <clears throat> yeah, so the only real actual Greyjoy that we know in season one is just Theon Greyjoy, who's just a ward of the Starks. So essentially, at that point, I mean, he spent his basically his entire life with the Starks, and so at this point, he more than anything kind of accepts himself as a Stark. And something to go with that, um, Theon, a uh, ward. Of the Starks, Robert Baratheon, who is king of the Seven Kingdoms at this point, and um, Nedard Stark, who is the Warden of the North, both were wards as well under John Aaron, yeah. who this that's exactly how the story starts. Mm-hmm. In fairness, that's not exactly how the story starts, even though I said that. The story starts amazingly, in my opinion. Um, I think... I remember, I remember living at this house in uh, Provo, Utah with a couple buddies who wanted to watch it. I watched the first episode just to try to get into it. And I don't know if anyone else wants to describe it. I just watched it. I'm okay with describing it right now. So we have these people that are just like in the snow. They f- stumble up. Three dudes stumble upon a bunch of, a bunch of dead people. And they're like, oh my gosh, what's going on? Oh, don't be a sissy. You know, because they all have these weird accents. I don't. I don't exactly know where they develop these accents, considering they're not really from England, right? They're from Westeros. <laughs> Just saying. Um, all, all great fantasy. All great fantasy characters have 
uh, English British accents, <laughs> yeah. you know, which makes it and uh, yeah, and then and then we got the Martells who have Spanish accents for some yeah, reason. Yeah, somehow. Like, that uh, yeah, just this part of Europe. If we could replicate this again, and let's do another fantasy, that'd be cool. Um, so they stumble upon these dead people. Two of the three dudes die. One dude gets away. He sees these scary, creepy people that are coming back to life. It's super trippy. And it is Lord Nedard Stark's responsibility to take his sword Ice, which is made of Valerian steel, which we'll talk about, um, I'm imagining, as we talk about this. He takes out his Valerian sword. Uh, it's a broadsword, by the way, so it's huge. Because if you desert... We find out this guy's from the Night's Watch. You desert the Night's Watch, who are the protectors from basically the White Walkers, everything north beyond the wall, also known to Mexicans as Americans. Um, Or I guess, sorry, as known to Americans as Canadians. Um, And this guy deserts his post, which is instant death. Boom. Cuts his head off in front of all of his kids. We got Rob Stark. Got Jon Snow, the bastard son of Nedard Stark. Uh, and then we had Bran Stark there as well, and Theon that Sam mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, thoughts on the introduction to this? So, I think that the first episode of Game of Thrones is probably the best opening episode to a series ever. Uh, it starts out with teasing these White Walker creatures, and then basically drops it for seasons, and then and then never <laughs> comes yeah. back. So you start off with this like, what the hell is going on? And you're wondering what's going on, and they kind of tease it a little bit for until basically now. I mean, we're in like season seven, and now maybe things are really happening, but we still don't know very much about them. Oh, I don't feel like we know anything. Yeah. I would definitely have to agree. I mean, it's funny, too, because I feel like we got a lot more in the show as the seasons went on than, you know, compared to the books. Just because in the books, we've had basically that introduction, and then there's been, like, one or two other instances of the White Walker showing up. And so we get a lot less in the sh- in the book than we did in the show yep. on that. Yeah, because in season one, you have um, when Mormont gets attacked, uh, one of the Night's Watch, and then Hardhome... Season one? No, season one is uh, when uh, Mormont gets attacked, and then the hard home, you have that in season five or four. Yeah, season four, probably. Yeah. Um, And they really don't talk about the White Walkers a ton. You have Sam killing a White Walker here and there. Which was way different in the books. Yeah. Just to the first men. And that was awesome. The book was way better than the movie. (laughs) Yeah, you know what I liked about the book? No reading. (laughs) The movie, no. (laughs) To steal... Since this title is stolen from Jim Gaffigan, I will steal as much comedy as I can from him as well. <laughs> it's a great line. Um, but I think I think you're right, Sheila. Like, all of a sudden, it's just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, why we got white workers now? And then like you're like, oh, this is super awesome. We're, we got another Walking Dead, basically. And then it's, in, in all fairness, though, like I love the other storylines. I just wish there would have been more like. I would love to know more about them. Like they give us the the people of the forest in later seasons and how they created the White Walkers um, to defeat the First Men. Um, but I don't know what I wrote, what I really loved about when Ned Stark cuts off the head of the deserter from the Night's Watch is one of those lines from the book. Like George R. R. Martin is a pervert. Let's be honest. <laughs> like one hundred percent, George R. R. Martin has to be this weird pervert dude i don't think he's ever done anything to anyone instead he wrote about it 
We might be finding out a hashtag me too about him. I don't want to get sued for like saying this about George R.R. Martin, but man, if I have to give that guy credit, like I was listening to a podcast today about Rasputin. Um, I'm just going to ask you two right now. Rasputin, cool guy, not cool guy. Sam, what do you think? He was pretty crazy, man. I've heard a lot of crazy stories about Sheila, that guy. cool guy, not cool guy. I'm Googling him right now. Don't Google Rasputin right now. <laughs> I was like, because I thought Rasputin was this cool dude, right? And then I listened to this podcast today. I'm like, oh, he's like trying to get with like 13 year old girls, 14 year old girls. He's kind of a shady character. Not cool. <laughs> so I don't want to give like a ton of credence to George R. R. Martin. He wrote a, a pretty good fantasy novel absolutely fantastic he wrote some great one-liners though is what i ultimately want to get to he who passes the sentence should swing the sword not only is that a great line it is a great philosophy how many judges get to get away with being like all right all right we're gonna have the death penalty because you know only texas um and they don't have to like participate in it at all can you imagine if that was the way of things now? Just the judge like, all right, yep. So <laughs> the the jury says death. Let's do it. Just bust a cap in his ass right there. I would. I don't like. That's what I. That's what I love about this. Like, yeah, I'm down. Do it. One hundred percent. Do it. Definitely would save the taxpayers a lot of money as far as keeping guys alive until the death sentence was carried. Well, out. come on, Sam. Let's not get political here, <laughs> sir. Let's not try to get political, but he's 100% right. Um, but that's like one of my... Uh, there's a lot of good... Like even in season one, a lot of good lines, but that has to be easily one of my favorites. Nothing? Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> I, would have I, to can, agree. I concur. Yeah, I no, agree. Yeah, uh, as far as that goes, yeah, he's got a lot of great one-liners. What's great is we are 20 minutes into episode one, and we are also 20 minutes into this podcast, and we have to go through about <laughs> nine and a half more hours. Time's flying. <laughs> Hopefully this isn't a nine-hour podcast. Good, the good news is we already did the rapey part of Danny, so we got that taken care of. Am I right, <laughs> Sheila? Because if after I say rapey, if I turn to a woman, it makes what I just said not as bad. Am I correct? See ya. All right. Good talk. Um, <laughs> And that's when the show went off the rails, uh. and nobody ever listened to the show again. <laughs> We're not promoting rape, just to, to well, throw no, that like, out. Well, no, like that's what. No, 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 not at all. Like I know I was just like being jokey, and we're all being jokey <laughs> right now. But like, it's weird. Uh, and, and maybe he's just. Bait- I'll give George R. R. Martin the benefit of the doubt too. It's where it's like I'm just writing about. I don't know why he's one of the Beatles. <laughs> I'm just writing about. You know, things doing LSD. No, I don't know what. Like, I think he's just writing about um, maybe like 1400s, Charlemagne-ish type. England. Oh, yeah. The War of the Roses is the the inspiration for the entire series. But yeah. do they have um, to be so young? <laughs> like, he, I mean, even if they were in War of the Roses or whatever, like, couldn't we make them? Like, could Danny be at least like 17, 18? Age of consent, or Westeros even, or even literally like thing. sixteen. I don't know why sixteen is like such a. We got sweet, uh, sweet sixteen, and then we got like the quinceanera, fourteen. In a lot of cultures, <laughs> yeah. You know? So it's like fifteen, sixteen. Okay. Well, I think where I am in book two, she is finally fifteen, and so I'm starting to be like, <laughs> I'm still not attracted <laughs> to you, um, but uh, I do think that's something that. 
I hope that it has something to do with like just how things in the past went because it seems like things in the past were we have no rules and I'm very happy that we now live in a time where there are rules. And that's something that well something that's interesting to me at least about the whole uh, age of all the characters is that he's you know he started writing this book what like 18 years ago well probably even before that but it came out about 18 years ago. And since then, he's come out and said, oh, man, I should have aged up the characters a little bit because it's, I mean, obviously that's weird, the young rape and all that stuff. It's so but, weird being a 50-year-old man writing about this. <laughs> but uh, he was, well, he was going to include a five-year gap in between the end of this last book, which was the fifth book, Dance with Dragons. He was going to include a five-year gap in between that and what we've got now, and he just obviously scrapped that just because it wouldn't work with all the characters. But he <clears throat> he felt that he needed to age up the characters because, you know, I mean, Rob Stark being this 14-year-old kid and leading this army and doing all this crazy stuff, you know, like, it's something that, I mean... But is that why he was like? Is he, he's not like finishing books though? <laughs> I really think the reason that George R. R. Martin isn't finishing books, he's like, they made a TV show out of this. I'm circa a billionaire. I'm good. <laughs> like I really think I, uh, if I had to put my money on it, this guy is not writing any more books. I know he keeps delaying the release of the next book, and I could 100% see him not finishing the series, and it's just gonna be. Either how the series finishes Oof. with the next season, or there's going to be movies afterwards. Whenever there is money to be made, artistry is just out the window. Oh, they'll bleed that for everything it's worth. For everything, like they're gonna do, they're gonna do the series of the rebellion somehow. It might not be an HBO series, but it's definitely gonna be a at movie. some point. I'm sure they'll do that. He, well, he doesn't want them to do that because he still has a lot of stuff to release about that and the books that are coming in the future. But kind of to go back to what you were saying about <laughs> the books his, aren't coming though. I I, I hope they I hope they do. Like I, I'm not trying to be a dick. No, I'm not I, trying to be. I don't think they're coming. I really hope they do. You know, but um, or like the reason. Opinion. Yeah. Well, the reason. So a big part of the reason why the book hasn't come out yet, as well, you know, the next one, Winds of Winter, is because of what he calls the Miranese knot. And that's just, he's got all these different characters converging right now on where Daenerys is at. And it's really hard for him to kind of write them all to come together kind of a thing, you know. And that's what's really taking so long with this. Because you have read book. all the books and I have not. Yeah. So I don't oh, know yeah, that. Yeah. I don't know that that's I don't mean all... to spoil it. Uh, I, I mean, Daenerys dies. Um, <laughs> no, like, uh, I don't know about all of that, but having watched these recent seasons, I can totally see that. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, after, I guess, what, season four, the show and the book just diverge completely, which, of course, you'll have to let me know once you get to that part in the books, because it's way better in the books. But that's what's kind of happening, not to spoiler it for you, Skinner, but, like, I mean, everyone's trying to get to Daenerys at this point in the story where the books are at. And Wait, they're trying to get to her in Essos, which is yeah. east, by the way. Yeah, so she's in Marine. Well, she just barely left. And Marine, people are trying to get to her there. So we've got Tyrion going over there. Barristan Selmy's gotten there already. Okay, we've that's got in the book. That's Victorian in the book. Greyjoy. All these guys really? are on their way to Daenerys. And George R. R. Martin is finding it hard to kind of converge all these storylines. And that's why it's taking so long. So I think whenever the Winds of Winter comes out, this is going to be the longest way just because of that. And then after that, I mean, I'm sure that she'll get to Westeros by the end of Winds of Winter. And then Dream of Spring, which is the, the last, supposedly the last book that he's going to write about the series, 
is I think it's just going to be easier to write because everyone's all in one place. It's going to be easier for the whole thing to kind of happen, you know? Well, why don't we talk about Danny? Yeah. I like that you brought her up. Um, this 13-year-old girl in the in the books, 15-year-old, I, I think he adds three years, so it might be 16 mm-hmm. in the show. Um, spoiler alert, uh, Amelia Clark was over the age of 18, <laughs> I guarantee, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when they made the show. Why? Because the very first scene we see with Danny is Viserys. Viserys being her brother, her creepy little brother, her creepy little brother. Um, by the way, I don't, I don't know. I hate how skinny all the Targaryens are. They seem less scary. I know they need their dragons, but I'm just saying. Um, we open with Danny, just like oh, I'm sweet little Danny. I'm a nice little girl. Hi, I'm Viserys. He doesn't sound like this at all. <laughs> Hi, I'm Viserys. I'm gonna take your clothes off and touch you weirdly. Um, is like kind of how I feel about that. And I know that the Targaryens are an incestuous family. For the most part, um, we well, know you gotta that. Got to keep the bloodline pure. When you say it like that, it sounds like you're okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I mean, come on, we gotta do it. Um, so we got King Aegon the Conqueror, who basically starts the Seven Kingdoms when he conquers them all. Um, he marries his two sisters, uh, Rhaenys, Am I saying that correctly? Mm-hmm. And Visenya. Yep. Um, so he married his two sisters and. So I guess, like, maybe it's not super weird that Viserys did that. But, like, at the same time, if you don't have that context, which the the show does not give, and the book does, it's super weird. I remember yeah. the first time I watched it, I like, wait a second. That's not appropriate. Stop, do- stop doing that, sir. I would say, even with that context, still pretty weird because it's not... Well, yeah, I mean, not- I would never say incest is the correct thing to do but <laughs> no, all no. Valerians thanks like, Sam well, <laughs> I don't think anyone's saying that just to throw that out there I'm not a so huge incest guy alright <laughs> but uh, I mean like even before Aegon the Conqueror married his two sister wives um, they had been doing that you know and that's just because Valerian blood is able to you know control dragons ride dragons and all that stuff and so they wanted to keep the bloodlines pure as far as because Aegon comes magical because Aegon comes to conquer because Valerian Valeria is dead yeah ultimately yeah so the doom of Valeria had happened well before the well before the conquering and he was already married to his two sisters before he conquered still weird it I mean it's definitely (laughs) still weird but you know you you want why can't he marry a cousin. Like I'm okay, like uh, like I'm not okay with incest, but like I'm okay with like all right, we'll marry my cousins instead of my sisters. They they have no idea how biology works. Is all I'm saying. They don't not know how uh, incestuous relationships end up. Yeah. Um, well, that's just as that... an example, the British royal family. Oh yeah. You want you want to know why they all look weird? Incest. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, well, and that's the thing that they, he even brings that up. He says that every time the, that a Targaryen is born, the gods flip a coin. You know? If they're crazy or if they're Exactly, good. yeah. And Sheila was saying, whoa, 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 to my uh, British thing. Why, why are you whoa, whoa, whoa in that? You think Prince Harry is weird looking? He's ginger. Oh, God. <laughs> Screw you, <laughs> Sam. So am I. No, 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 no. They are not. Do you know why, though? Do you know why Prince Harry and Prince... Um, not Charles. Who's the other one? Harry and Carl? Carl. Carl? Is it Carl? Let's go with Carl. Well. Oh, good old Carl. Nope, nope. Say, uh, Sheila is saying Carl, and so I'm going to I'm gonna agree with her that it's Carl. Uh, it's not Will at all. 
Um, because Princess Diana is not an incestuous relationship with Charles, that's why they look better than uh, Prince uh, Charles does. Okay, okay, fair point. But mansplaining. But my but my comment about Viserys is not about their incestuous um, bloodline, but that Viserys sees Danny as an object, as a prize, as something that he owns that he can sell. So his encounters with her don't ever seem to be that kind of like like sexual or romantic or anything. He is sizing her up so that he can sell her to further his goals. So I think even if you took the whole like Targaryen storyline, like bloodline story out of it, it's still he he's just a horrible horrible person. Sheila. Oh God. Don't awake the dragon. Oh, God. <laughs> which which to me in the in the show doesn't do, they don't do that line enough. In the book they do it all the time. I'm like this dude's f word crazy. <laughs> He's always just like, Danny, you don't want to wake the dragon, do you? <laughs> Is he an old-timey? You no, know, he has flames spitting out of his mouth. <laughs> he was no dragon. He, oh, that, dude, that's a dope line. Yeah. And that's oh, in yeah. season one. Um, speaking of, he was no dragon. Danny, immediately after getting nipples touched by her brother, gets in that uh, hot tub. Not hot tub. Gets in a bath. Gets and in the bath. It's too hot. It's too hot, my lady. Don't get into it. <laughs> And Danny just like owns it like a boss, foreshadowing that ultimately she cannot be burned. Spoiler alert, episode 10, she this giant pyre that she makes to kill, I won't spoil this, to kill a person who has wronged her, she doesn't get burned by the flames at all. And that is dope. That is, that is great. Um, episode 1, episode 10, foreshadowing that uh, the showrunners did really well. Yeah. Obviously, George R. R. Martin came up with it, but like the showrunners, like, we'll just do it like that. You know, episode 1, episode 10, they did a great job. Yes, <laughs> I would have to concur. Season 1, they followed the source material, great. Season 2, followed the source material, great. Season 3... Also great. Season four started to diverge a little bit, and then after that, it just went to shit. <laughs> oh, good. We talked about the rapey stuff. Um, and so, basically, but but why this matters though is King Robert of the House Baratheon. First of his name. Oh yeah. Why are there so many first of, his, of their names? I feel like by this point in history, there should not be as many. Robert seems like it would be a common name. <laughs> well, the thing about the first of his name is that they only use that for kings. So Robert Baratheon is the first of his name because he's the as, first Because king. he's a king. Yeah. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because so, like every time they do that, I'm just like, no, Robert's, nah, no, it's not. Daenerys even. I know at least three Daenerys's yeah. that I work with. So that's not real. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not the first of her name. <laughs> Um, so Robert Rathian, Robert's Rebellions, uh, Ned Stark from the North, him and his, our buddies, because, because Ned's family, and when I say family, his father, brother, killed by the Mad King, Aerys Targaryen, um, burned alive, mind you, which is terrible. That's why Nedard Stark of the North, the Starks, and Robert Baratheon, they go and fight uh, the Targaryens, and they kick... Major Tush take over the Iron Throne, and the Targaryens are displaced. That's why Danny, Daenerys, and Viserys are also over there. Another sibling is Rhaegar, 
who, according to Robert, raped um, Ned Stark's sister, Lyanna. Yep. Stark. Um, kind of a big deal. That's how the entire season starts out. Um, the Hand of the King dies. The Hand of the King is like an advisor. John Aaron is dead, who was this adoptive father of both Robert and... By the way, that's why Rob Stark is named that, because Ned Stark, who Robert and Ned are friends, names his son that. Um, so they go down at the very beginning of the season, and they go and see Leanna, and I think this is a huge thing for people. I'm just going to spoil this right now. Leanna was not raped by Rhaegar Targaryen. Rhaegar Targaryen being the third of uh, Aerys' children. Um, Rhaegar? First. Oh, sorry. So I just mean the third as in like, we've only talked about two. Oh, right, my bad, my right. bad. Yeah, there's three of them. Um, Rhaegar is eventually killed by Robert with his Warhammer. And a problem I have with the show is we never see the Warhammer. The problem I have is the casting of uh, Robert in general. Yeah, that Robert should have been like six foot eight. And we got this six foot guy. Like, don't get me wrong. That. I'm a sh- I'm short, so like maybe I shouldn't be so judgmental. But like Robert should have been huge. Ned is about right as far as casting goes. So they go down to the crypt to see Lyanna, um, who he thinks was raped by Rhaegar, who was stolen by Rhaegar. Um, turns out Rhaegar was a good guy. Lyanna loved him, uh, and because of this misunderstanding, I guess you would say, all of these events take place. Um, I don't know if anyone has anything to say about that season one in the crypt or maybe on the King's Road when Ned's like, you never told me who your wench was, Ned, and I'll never describe her to you. Um, I think Ned is just such an honorable guy and no one should be confused that he never slept with a whore and never fathered a child with a whore. That baffles my mind completely um and it's it bothers me now as like thinking about i'm just like why do i care so much about (laughs) like about this thing that's fiction by the way like nedard stark and what happens in nedard stark is complete bs to me and that's the thing is that he was so honorable so incredibly honorable that he was willing to even besmirch his own honor by saying the lie that he did have a bastard just to keep you know, keep him safe. Young, well, in the show, young Aegon Targaryen, son of Rhaegar Targaryen. I don't know if he'll be named Aegon in the book, <laughs> but we'll see. His name will his name will be Joey. Joey Targaryen. <laughs> if I know George R. R. Martin, he's just be like, "Hey, it's Joey Targaryen," because you know George R. R. Martin, Italian from the Bronx. Okay, so like Joey Targaryen. I'm doing good. I'm doing good voices, right? First guys? Of his name. I'm nailing. Oh, yeah. I'm nailing the voices. I feel like they're right all right. from just the check. movie Oliver or something. They're just like, oh, can I have salsa? <laughs> like, <laughs> I. They all got Cockney accents, yeah. but like a oh, little American Cockney, yeah, like, like Canadian, <laughs> a little Mexican Cockney for some reason. But can we like can we address the fact like why couldn't he tell Catelyn like all those years? He could have just told his wife so that she wasn't such a horrible person to John, maybe. But he did like what he couldn't trust her. Like that has always bothered. Well, me. Well, he just made a he just made a vow that he would never tell that to who, anyone. Who did he vow that to? I to don't know if sister. I'm far enough in the books. Well, I mean, it doesn't even really say don't it in tell the books anyone, yet. Ned. Yeah, just to his sister, you know, like. Oh, then Ned deserved to die. Then, like, like I, I know that sounds terrible, but like. 
I, I get what you're saying. He's so honorable that he would besmirch his own honor. Okay, cool. Then besmirch your own honor again, bro. And be like, Catelyn, I trust you. I know. Like, you don't even have to tell her, like, right away. Maybe five or six years down the line when you know, yeah. like, you have a solid relationship with well, her. Well, especially like, when you see her, like, being shitty to John. Yeah. All the time, yeah. too. Dude, John shows up after, um, spoiler alert, this is end of episode one. Um, Bran sees those people. <laughs> spoiler alert, spoiler alert. I can't believe I can't remember their names. Yeah, so Jamie Cersei Lannister. and Jamie Lannister, um, who are, Cersei is queen to Robert Baratheon. She's uh, screwing around with her brother, her twin brother, by the way. I love that How You Met Your Mother uh, meme. On, on Facebook, How I Met Your Mother in the Womb. Um, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so Jamie and Cersei, for some reason, can't keep it in their pants for a week. <laughs> for literally a week. That I, Jamie is attractive, I will give as far as the show goes. Um, and they knock Bran out of the tower and hurt him. All of this to go to the, <laughs> all of this to get to the fact that Jon Snow, who is the bastard uh, in air quotes, uh, actually the son of Lyanna and Rhaegar, but the bastard son of um, Nedard Stark, shows up and is like, Hey, hey, Ben. No, Ben. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> What's his name? I just forgot it. Who are we talking about? Who now? fell out of this tower? Oh, yeah, so Bran. Bran. <laughs> ben, what is it? Benjamin Stark is who I'm thinking of. Um, so Bran, hey, Ben. Hey, hey. Uh, <laughs> I forgot it again. Hey, Bran. Hey, Bran, I'm going to miss you. And then Catelyn's just... Vicious with him. Get out! Get out! Um, and she's just horrible to him all the time. And it's sad because, for the most part, he's an honorable guy. It seems like in episode one. Definitely true. But that, I think that goes back to the fact that, like, um, I think that proves to everybody how. Um, Catelyn kind of ruins everything. If you, th- if you really think about it, um, Catelyn is the one who decides to arrest Tyrion. Yeah. Tyrion Lannister. Um, so Cersei and Jaime's brother, younger brother, he's a dwarf, or as they call him in the show, an imp. He is kind of looked down upon, but he's also super smart. He has a lot of good... He might be my favorite quotable person in the entire show. Um... Catelyn decides to arrest him, basically, like, hey, you tried to attack my son. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's, well, I think that, I mean, literally, Catelyn Stark, it single-handedly causes the downfall of House Stark. She, like you said, she arrested Tyrion just without even kind of thinking about it, making a very emotional decision, also making a very emotional decision to... And why did she do that, though? Like, why does she arrest them when they're, they're... I think they're on the King's Road, right? Yeah, they're in the inn. They're in the inn. Mm-hmm. Why is it like... She has everyone around her. She has no reason to even arrest them. Just be like, all right, cool. Go back to King's Landing. Exactly. And that all of her decisions throughout the entire series are just based upon emotion. Her doing that because she's all bent out of shape about, you know, Tyrion allegedly being the one that... Um, had the cat's paw come after Bran when she, when he was in his coma with the with the blade. Is cat's paw the? Oh yeah, yeah. So sorry, that just means assassin. 
Yeah, so that's this, good. I didn't know that. Yeah, I so, should have read yeah. that first book better. <laughs> he, he, yeah, so she thinks that Tyrion is the one that sent the assassin after Bran, and so she, you know, she made that very emotional decision. And then also later on, she lets Jamie Lannister go because he says that you know, I'll send your daughters back to you if you let me go. Also, screws everything up. You know, it's just she, her making a bunch of bad decisions. Causes some downfalls. And I know that sounds terrible to the feminist community of all two feminists that are listening to us right now, but <laughs> I, I don't I don't know what you think, Sheila. Like, this is totally us be, like just trying to bail ourselves out. Sheila, what do you think about Callan Stark? <laughs> uh, well, I, I mean, I didn't think she was that rash in the first season, I think. But by the time that she makes the decision to let Jamie go with, I mean, not let Jamie go, but to send him back to King's Landing to trade for her daughters, like, it's so rash. It's so, like, um, naive. And I feel like when you hear her internal monologue or whatever, when you're reading the book, like, she does seem more uh, intelligent than the choices that she makes. I agree with that. Like, she, she, gets, she gets the world. It's nice to know what she thinks. What? It's nice to know what she thinks. Yeah, like she she gets. Well, I mean, if, go ahead. Of course, she's gonna rationalize it to her own brain. You know, like I mean, she had already like Rob Rob had told her not to do that. You know what I mean? And he's the king of the north. He was like, "Hey, don't do that." Yeah. Hey, don't do that. <laughs> don't let Jamie Lannister go. That's a bad decision. Well, to- it'll inevitably get us killed later. <laughs> I mean. Like, her letting go Jamie was definitely her turning point where you're just like, what are you doing? Like, I can't even, there's no supporting this anymore. It's so irrational. She's risking the entire North for her two daughters. But up until that point, I think she, she, she understands honor. She understands the role of her, like, the role her son needs to play. She understands honor. I mean, but she also is really horrible to John, and I can't forgive her for that. It's just a huge character flaw. But my my thing, my response to like what you said, like she's totally like okay until the Jamie thing. Like, what did you think about the Tyrion decision she made? Well, I don't. It, she at that point she Peter thinks- Baelish. By the like, I, like let me give some background before I ask you that question. Sorry for interrupting you, but like Peter Baelish tells Catelyn Stark. Oh, that dagger. I have a whip, but rocks the hand. You can't understand me, my Peter Baelish. Um, Peter Baelish is super weird, and he's like, Oh, I lost that blade in a fight with Tyrion Lannister. That is all she has to go on, right? Yeah. So that so I just wanna like give that to the to the two people listening to us. Um as like sort of evidence that I don't understand why you think that wasn't an irrational decision to arrest Tyrion Lannister, the imp, mind you. I, I get. I also understand that if Tyrion doesn't get arrested, we don't have Bronn, and we'll talk about that after you answer this question. But like, I don't know how you. How would you rationalize yeah, that? Yeah, no, I I don't know if I like rationalize it per se, but like at that point in the story, she really trusts Baelish. I mean, they grew up together. He loved her. She she is naive for trusting him the way that she does, as we learn later in season one, unfortunately. But 
she has that reason to think that, and she already hates the Lannisters. She, especially Tyrion, has a horrible, uh, like, people, you know, horrible reputation in the sense that people discriminate against him because he's ugly and a dwarf. So I, I don't know if, if she, you know, even if she's going off that information, that's probably more information than just guessing it was the Lannisters. I don't want to defend Catelyn. I think she made a lot of mistakes, but I think getting her her inner thoughts in the book helped add a lot of context for why she made the decisions that she did. But again, I think by the time she makes the Jamie decision, there's there's no coming back from that. Yeah, I mean, I would de- like it's definitely good to hear her like inner thoughts about it, but as far as rationalizing it goes, I mean, it's not like she knew that Tyrion was going to be in the inn so that she could take him. It wasn't <clears throat> it wasn't planned out that way. He was just there. She saw him and she just made the split decision to take him into custody, you know? And so I mean, no matter yeah, no matter which way you spin it, it was an emotional decision. And, you know, big decisions like that should never be made on emotion. And she never, I mean, she didn't, like, weigh out the pros and cons or anything like that. I just, I think that it was just more of a, oh, my gosh, he's the one that did it. Let's get him now, you know. And she didn't stop to consider that, oh, okay, cool. So I take him as a hostage. Obviously, that pisses off the Lannisters, and this starts a war. I mean, obviously, the war had been started when Bran was pushed out the window. But... This is kind of the first act of the actual war, you know? And I like, I mean, even in Westerosi culture, women aren't really in a place to make those kind of militaristic decisions and things. Yeah, you hear that, Sheila? (laughs) I mean, no Westerosi woman can make that decision. I mean, I would be pissed at Tyrion too if, if he was the one that allegedly had sent someone to kill my son like I would be pissed as well I'm not and I'm not trying to say that I wouldn't make a rational decision who's who's to say what kind of decisions you'll make you know when you see the face of the man who you believe is the one that essentially tried to kill you yeah son. but it's a huge decision not because of not because of like oh this is the man who killed my son it's it's a huge decision because it's like all right house Stark we're going against house Lannister oh by the way Robert my best friend um Sorry, but we're going against your wife. That's that's the that's the problem I have with it. It's not so much that she made the decision, it's just if you really think about it, that's a huge decision that she made because it's <laughs> like uh, it's not not irrational, just it's 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 reckless. Yes. Is ultimately what it is. Yeah. It's just like, all right, cool. We're going against the Lannisters and we see this uh coming up with Ned because um, Rob's like, hey, give the son back. Which, I don't know why everyone sounds exactly the same whenever I do a voice. Like, whenever I do my mad voice, it sounds like this. Uh, 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 uh. Very South Park. <laughs> hey, buddy. You can't take my brother. I'm Jamie Lannister. You bring him right back now, guy. Um, I, know, I know that's what I'm doing. But, like, um, it ends up screwing her husband, ultimately. Yeah. Because, like... So Ned ends up being the hand of Robert, goes with him. Um, in all fairness, like Robert ends up, um, or sorry, Ned ends up not being the hand of the king because Robert wants to assassinate Daenerys. Like that's the reason he chooses to stop. But like that's just adding tension. The tension that Ned has created because he doesn't want to assassinate a 13-year-old, 16-year-old girl um, 
is just exacerbated. Is that a word? Mm-hmm. Um, with the decision that Catelyn makes. Well, and that's the same thing too. She doesn't think that she doesn't think that there's going to be repercussions from the Lannisters. I mean, she's got her two daughters in King's Landing with Ned, as well as obviously Ned's there. So Arya and Sansa. Exactly. So she doesn't think that there won't be repercussions with them. I mean, they're in the thick of it. They've got like what less than a hundred of their own guys there to protect, to protect them. So we got Jory, I think. Is yeah. Like we, one so of the we've got guys. Jory Cassell, and. <laughs> You know, Didn't he play for the Milwaukee some... Bucks? Oh, wait, that was Sam Cassell. <laughs> Great player. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing. It's just like, she doesn't think about it that way. Like, oh, like, if I do this, then that puts Ned, Sansa, and Arya in jeopardy. Because they're completely surrounded by who I am now making our enemy. And I didn't think about that before I did this. Well, I think both her and Ned think that other people are as honorable as they try to be. So even though her daughters are with Cersei and her husband is in King's Landing, I think that she thinks he's protected by his relationship with with Robert and totally totally underestimates the fact that Cersei is a cold-hearted, conniving uh, Lannister, which is now maybe an insult. Uh, the word uh, that Sheila was looking for is a conniving bitch. All right, continue. Thank you. Thought we were trying not to swear, so came up with Lannister. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's, the, it's they're synonymous. There's man. no other. There, I mean, it's there is one other word for it, but I mean, we won't say that on the podcast. Oh yeah, because it starts with a C. Yes, it does. <laughs> or maybe a K. I don't know. And that word is kindness. <laughs> I spell that with a C sometimes, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really sure that anyone would ever, you know, describe Cersei as kind. Sindness. Um, no, like, um, the Lannisters suck. Like, let's be honest, like, the best story arcs are all the Lannisters, in my opinion, in this show. Oh, yeah, Jamie has a great arc. Jamie's is awesome. Cersei's is awesome. Hey, I do love reading about her. Cersei's is awesome. In the fourth book. And, like, uh, even though Tyrion is awesome from the beginning, his arc is great. Like, where we're at now, like, I'm just like, is he gonna screw stuff up? No spoilers. Um, it's just insane, all this stuff that happens. Um, so, so Ned Stark, when they're on the King's Road trying to get back to there, they have all these wolves, which are awesome. Um I'm just going to be a horrible podcaster and just say, everyone, they found these uh, wolves after Ned Stark killed those people that we talked about earlier. And then they all matched up with all the kids in Ned Stark. So when they're heading on the King's Road, Joffrey, who is the king, uh, or who is the son of Robert, in air quotes, he's really Jamie's kid. But he's Robert's and Cersei's kid. By the way, Cersei, Cersei, like we're making steak. I don't know. How do you say her name? I say Cersei. I heard she. I heard Sheila say Cersei, and I, don't, I. I honestly don't know. I'm not trying to like be judgmental. I have no idea. I'm gonna go Cersei. Anyone? And that. Well, that's the thing that George R. R. Martin had said. Everyone's always asking him, "How do you pronounce these crazy names?" And he's like, "Hey, you pronounce it however you want. It doesn't matter as long as you guys aren't thinking about that they're all 13. <laughs> <laughs> I don't uh, care how you pronounce it as long as you keep buying." Cersei, yeah, so, so uh, they're, they're on the King's Road. All these wolves get, uh, not all these wolves get killed. Lady, who belongs to Sansa, one of Ned's kids, um, is killed because it attacks Joffrey the prince, the heir to the throne. Um, and what we see there, though, is that Robert still loves Ned. 
and he's trying to make this Lannister thing work. Um, and I think that is the most difficult thing at the beginning of this entire show is like Robert, he's just a dude who wants to sleep around with women, drink, basically just like do his thing, do whatever he wants. Ned is this honorable guy, but like, is that what we expect from a king is sort of what goes on with that. And he tries to make these kingly decisions that ultimately, because of what Ned finds out that he, Ned find, eventually finds out about the incestuous relationship between Jamie, which is, can we talk about that actually? Let's stop yeah. that. He finds out that Jamie and Cersei were having sex and all three kids belong to her. So Marcella, the second child, um, Tommen, the last child, Joffrey, the first child, all belong to Jamie and Cersei. He finds this out because he goes through a book and he's like, all of the Baratheons are brown of hair. And look at here, we got this Joffrey and the other three that are yellow of hair. I don't know. They don't say blonde. Golden hair. Golden, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Gold of hair. Um, I think that's weird that, like, like because of that, this is how everything breaks down, ultimately. Uh, I don't know what you guys think about that, but, like, to me, it's just like, oh, because, you know, they have blonde hair. Obviously, they're not a, they're, they're obviously not a brat. Right, like. Well, that was such a cool thing in the, in the book. Well, they did it in the show, too, but uh, John Aaron's last words were, the seed is strong. And so he's just, you know, he's already found this out, which is why he was killed. But, you know. All of the Baratheons, every single one of Robert Baratheon's bastards look exactly like him. And all of the Baratheons always look exactly like Like, even in the... So in the book, they just say that, you know, Renly Baratheon looked exactly like a young Robert. And so all of the Baratheons, like, you know, they, they pass down their genes. And this is the one interest... In, this is the one, uh, the one instance in all of history where the Baratheon seed has not been passed down. So it's a little suspicious. And that's what John Aaron finds out, which has, which you know, leads to his downfall. And then that's what's so cool about the John Aaron murder mystery is that Ned obviously eventually finds out why he was killed and finds out, you know, this truth about Jamie and Cersei. Uh, Sheila, do you have something to say before I have my timeout session? Yep. Timeout on that for a Save by the Bell reference. <laughs> um, the reason, but the, but the problem that I have with what you said is that, um, yes, John Aaron realized that, but he's not killed by the Lannisters. That's why I have a problem with that. Yep. Well, yeah, you're right. That's the only reason that I have a problem with that is like, Liza Aaron, John Aaron's wife, mm-hmm. and Littlefinger, who is a conniving dude. You, if you've seen. Um, uh, the Dark Knight Rises. Sorry. The Dark Knight Rises. The very opening scene with the CIA agent. The guy who's like, you look pretty tough for a guy. That's who Littlefinger is. Um, him and her kill him. Yeah. And that's why, like, uh, like it's cool. The murder mystery is cool. I get that. Like, well, that's I, yeah, fun, and you're right. But it's like, like total BS. Yeah. And that's what I mean. Plot. Like, as far as, as far as Ned knows at this point. You're right. Obviously, Liza Aaron and Littlefinger are the ones that kind of do a little plot to kill him and everything. It wasn't Cersei, Jamie. It wasn't any Lannister. As far as Ned knows, that's why he thinks that Jon Arryn was. Fair enough. Fair. fair, fair. Yeah. Sorry. That like. No, that's fair. Not to kind of a roundabout way about it, but that's why he's like, oh, so these Lannisters are just 
doing all this crazy stuff. To his knowledge, I mean, and obviously everyone, like, they sent the letter to, um, back to Catelyn that says, the Lannisters are the ones that killed my husband, you know? So, like, that's kind of, and that's why Littlefinger did this, is to just start all this chaos, because chaos is a ladder, and he wants to climb that, climb up that. But that's what starts the war. Spoiler, that bitch dies. Keep going. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's what, I mean, and so to Ned's knowledge, that's why he was killed, and, you know, Ned, obviously, being the honorable dude, just has to get that out there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess that makes sense. I mean, like, I, I get um, Ned's point of view. Yeah. I get Ned's point of view. I, I think what I'm more arguing is just the writing part of it. Like, this is more of a George R. R. Martin thing mm-hmm. than it is any of the characters because... I get why Ned thinks that, but at the same time, it's just like the Lannisters had nothing to do with the murder, and everything is the downfall because for some reason everybody thinks that it is, like you said. Because, but yeah. maybe that's the genius of it, too. yeah. And that well, that's what uh, that's what Littlefinger wanted. He wanted to pit the Lannisters against the Starks, and that's why he that's why he did that. And so that's what you know, that's what kind of led to this entire war. Yeah, I mean, I really feel like like Littlefinger is the start of all of it. Like he's he's the one who, I mean, if John Aaron hadn't have died, I don't think any of these things would have fell into motion. Rob never would have gone to visit to visit Ned, and he wouldn't have needed a new hand, and none of these things would have started. Yeah, and yeah, exactly, and that's what Littlefinger wanted because everything was kind of just going. With the flow, you know. I mean, Robert was doing his thing, getting exactly what he wanted, which was just whoring and drinking and hunting and doing his thing. And, you know, I mean, the realm was in a relatively peaceful state because, you know, Tywin was kind of being able to do his thing without any interference. John Aaron was being a great right-hand man and everything. And, yeah, you're right. Littlefinger's definitely the one that kind of started all this. And, you know, that's why. Just because he wanted to have more power than he actually had. Yeah. Totally. Where did did Alex go? They can cut this, right? And he's back. And he's back. (laughs) They they can cut this. Yeah, no, so we're just talking about, you know, Littlefinger's the one that kind of orchestrated all this chaos because everything was... Well, do you know how they came up with the name Littlefinger? I would love to know. Um, Littlefinger, so have you ever seen James Bond 007 Casino Royale? Where is this going? Yes. It's because they don't know what I could do with my little finger. That's all I have to say about that. Um, well, he also came from The Fingers. No, I don't think that's it. That can't be right. I don't think that's it, Sam. I think, you're, I think you're stretching with that right there. <laughs> man, get out of here. Like George R. R. Martin in 1996... Knew exactly what Casino Royale was going to be about in nineteen in two thousand seven. Little known fact: George R. R. Martin wrote that line. He contributed that line to the James Bond series, and that's it. He's like, I'm running out of money. If they don't make this into a TV show, I'm gonna die. So I gotta start writing stuff. That is the end of part one of Game of Thrones season one. Go and download part two if you want to hear how the season ends. Feel free to like, comment, and continue the conversation by following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud. Subscribe to us on iTunes, and if you are feeling especially generous, leave us a review on iTunes. We prefer five stars, but value the truth more. We plan on keeping this free to listeners forever, because we love you.
Thanks for listening, and let's keep being better.